Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. We're going to talk on a subject that is surely, boy, prevalent in America right at this hour. We're going to talk about giving, about giving. And people say, boy, giving at Christmas time, we're all tapped out. Please listen to me. You are never tapped out with God, never. God has got commands in his word that cover giving. And boy, are they ever a blessing because the commands of God on giving have such an unbelievable benefit tied to them, a great benefit. And you would do great harm to your life as a Christian to not want God's blessing financially in your life that God has promised through giving, through giving. The Bible here says something, and I want to read it with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now don't ever forget this. God says, and I'm going to paraphrase, you be stingy with me, then you're asking God to be stingy with you. You sow a little, and God says, you're going to reap a little. But he says, you sow a lot, and you'll reap a lot. My family, I was raised in the cattle slaughtering business, and we raised a lot of cattle and planted thousands of acres of corn each year. And my dad would always say, we got to get it out of the barn and into the ground. We'd have all this seed and everything and all the fertilizer. But he said, we've got to put it in if we want to get it out. Well, that's a principle with God. God says, in the measure that you put in, that's the measure that you're going to get back. Verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Boy, that's the whole prayer for this morning, that God would speak to our hearts. Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now we're commanded to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, how cheerful are you when you give to God? The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. I've often told folks, I wish you could sit on the platform and watch people when an offering gets taken. There's folks who look like they're in agony. It's like they're saying goodbye to a friend. <laughs> goodbye, little buddy, goodbye. No, no, no. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, my son Jonathan, who's now a, an attorney with our ministry, when he was about four to five years old, he figured out Christmas. And he came to me and he said, Dad, Dad, I figured out Christmas. I said, oh, good for you, good for you. And he said, I want to get you a Christmas present. I said, okay, good. He said, give me some money. Give me some money, Dad. He held out his little hand. Now, don't go any further. You're not going to give God one thing today he didn't give you. You will never in your life give God one thing he doesn't give you. Your heavenly Father gives you everything you have everything. I gave him some money, and he went running off with his sister. She could drive, and uh, next thing I get is a phone call, and I hear Jonathan just squalling in the background. 
He said, Dad, Dad, we got a problem. I said, what's the matter? Something happened to Jonathan? She said, no, no, no. She said, Dad, he's got two things, and he wants to get them both, and he doesn't have enough money. And then she said this, Dad, you can't believe how this little boy loves you. He wants you to have him, Dad. Can I give him more money? I said, sure. God's looking for somebody who's a cheerful giver. Well, he came home and he wrapped his presents up and we weren't watching when he did it. He put four rolls of Texel tape on each present. They were entombed, entombed in tape. Now it's Christmas morning and it's 4 a.m. and he's in our bedroom. And he's saying, get up, get up, get up. It's Christmas. It's... I said, oh, Jonathan, go back to bed. And, and, and here come his brother. His brother said, will you tell him to stop throwing water on us? He got us all up tossing water on us. But he's standing there with those two gifts. He said, Dad, I want you to open these. I want you to get my gift to you, Dad. My wife said, come on, honey, get up. I'll make coffee. She said, you can't believe how that little boy loves you. Well, we went out in the living room and the family room, and I said, Jonathan, you remember there's one present you were kind of interested in, and, but unfortunately, so was every other child on planet Earth. But your mom drove 90 miles and found one, and we got this Christmas present you wanted. He started crying. He said, no. No, I want you to open mine. I've been waiting all this time to give. I said, hop up here, buddy. I couldn't get the tape off, so my wife went and got this pair of scissors that she cuts up turkeys with. And while I'm opening them, all he keeps telling me is, I love you. This is so much fun. I love you. I love to give to you, Dad. Is that you with God? He's given you everything. And he said, I want you to be a cheerful giver. Now, the two presents he bought me are only valuable to me. He bought me a little orange-colored turtle and an orange fountain pen that doesn't write. And you can't open it to change the cartridge. And people look at him and they say, what's that doing in your office? I'll tell you what it is. A little boy who loves me gave that. This morning when you give, is it going to be with you saying, I love you? I love you. God loves a cheerful giver. 
who's purposed in his heart. Pastor Rands, I've had wonderful Christians come up to me and say, I don't know that I've ever given to God that way. It's time to start this morning. Look at what he says in the next verse. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let me paraphrase. God says, if you give to me, I'm going to be sure I give to you. And I'm going to make it where when you give to me, I'll make sure you can abound in every good work. But the triggering is the giving. Now, there's three kinds of givers in this room this morning. And I've been all three of these kinds of givers many times but I want you to be careful what kind of giver you are this morning. The first kind of giver is what I call the polite giver. They're going to give because after all, it doesn't look good if you don't. You want to be polite, and so you give. Every year, the Girl Scouts come knocking on my door with their cookies. How many of you like Girl Scout cookies? I like their cookies. And they come every year, and... I buy their cookies, not because I really want their cookies, but they're our neighbors. And I just want to be polite. And so I say, well, how many did I buy last year? Boy, they always know, and I just give to be polite. There's people here that want to play that way with God. Everything you have in your pocket, everything in your checking account, everything in your 401k, every asset you have, God gave you. And the Bible says we belong to him. You're stewards. You're just holding it, palms up for the Lord. And that polite giver, you don't want to ever do that with God. I'll give you a little bit, not much, but a little bit. God's never called you to be a polite giver. The second kind of giver that's found in the Bible is the calculated giver. I've been this one hundreds of times. Well, I'm going to give, but I'm sure not going to give where it messes anything up I'm doing. I'm going to calculate this out. My wife, many occasions, like last time I think it was Faith Promise at our church, she said, what, what number are you thinking? And I told her and she said, uh, did God give you that number or did you come up with that number? I said, well, I came up with it. And we want to sit there and we want to give but we don't want to give where it could mess anything else up. Now, the world thinks that's the way to do it. That's not God's way of doing it. The third way to give is called the faith giver. Now, remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. doesn't say it's unlikely doesn't say it's difficult. It says, whatever you don't do by faith, it is impossible to please God. 
And when we give, God wants us to give by faith. Now there's a verse that covers this very, very carefully, and I want you to turn to that verse in your Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I recommend to parents memorize this verse with your children. Every time I deal with a new Christian, I deal with having them read the book of 2 John, and then I have them memorize this verse because I say, this is a promise you're going to activate in your life as a child of God. I can't imagine any Christian who wouldn't want this promise activated. This verse is 40 words in length. It has one word of command and 39 words of promise. Here's the command, verse 38, give. That's the command. Now, if you want to activate the rest of the verse, you got to obey the command. Give, and here's the promise, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. God says, here's my promise. You give to me, and I promise you that'll activate that verse. Give, and it shall be given. Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, now just between us, what if I give and God doesn't do it? Well, now we have a problem, because God would have lied. And how many of you know God never lies? How many of you believe that? Oh, listen. He says, give, and here's my promise, and it shall be given unto you. And he says, I'm going to give to you way beyond, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, way beyond whatever you gave to me, but it's going to be measured to you with the same measure that you measured to me. Whoa. Who would not want that promise activated? When we're asking you to give, this is an amazing promise of God. When we get to heaven, please don't take this wrong, I only know one thing you're going to be upset with your pastor about, and that, that is he didn't encourage you to give more. When you see not just the reward here, but the eternal reward, eternal reward that is yours for all eternity, you're going to say, Pastor, why didn't you get us to give more? Why? We get it here and there. How many of you know the name Lester Roloff? Hold your hand up. Know that name? Great evangelist. Heard him say this many times. He said, you've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. He said, because you don't need one. The day you die, everything you have here stays right here. But what you give, that's yours for all eternity. Wow. Give and it shall be given unto you. A lady came up to me at a church where I was preaching, and I preached on that verse. And she got me in the hall, and she said, I just want to be sure on this, Brother Gibbs. God promises that? I said, yeah, it's right there in the book. She said, is that promise as sure as salvation? I said, absolutely. Remember, how you got saved is you took God at his word. 
That's how you got saved. If you're heaven bound, it's because you put your faith in the words of Jesus Christ and you asked him to save you. Well, this is the same. She said, well, I just wanted to be sure that I had it straight. If I give, God's promised to give. I says, give, and I recited the verse, and it shall be given unto you. She said, well, I just wanted to be sure because I'm going to make a faith move today. I said, really, what are you doing? She said, uh, I have $30,000. And she said, my husband was killed in an industrial accident a short while ago. And she said, I have three small kids to raise. She said, $30,000 isn't going to see us through. She said, so I'm going to give it and take God at his word. I said, you're what now? She said, I'm going to give it and take God at his word because you tell me he's promised, right? Give and it shall be given unto you. I said, how much of the 30? She said, I'm going to give it all. I said, you're scaring me. Now, I'm, I didn't tell her this, but I'm praying, looking at her. God, don't you forget this lady. I said, let's read the verse again, just to be sure. And I read the verse with her. Do you know what? Most Christians have rarely, if ever, in their life given by faith. We want to be polite. We just want to calculate. But take God at his word. I saw her after the next service where they took the offering. And I said, how are you doing? She said, you're probably wondering if I gave it all. I said, yeah, I am. She said, I did. And boy, I told the Lord, please don't forget her. Oh, don't forget her. About a month went by, and I called her, tracked her down. The church had her number. We got her number. I called her. And I said, I don't know if you remember me, Dave Gibbs. She said, I remember you. I said, well, I just wondered how you're doing. And she said, you're probably calling to see if God's given to me yet. And I said, well, yeah, that was on my mind, right? She said, Brother Gibbs, you got to have faith. God didn't promise he'd do it in a day, a week, or a month. But he's promised he's going to do it. And she preached a faith message to me. She said, you don't think he's trustworthy? You don't think he keeps his word? You can trust him. And she's preaching to me. About another month and a half went by, maybe two, and I'm in a trial. And there's an emergency message. During the break, I go out in the hall. And I call this number, and it's this lady. I said, did you call me? She said, I did. She said, I just got to tell you something God just did. I said, what's that? She said, I just got a call from a lawyer in Pennsylvania. Now she said, I, my family, everybody all lives in California. We've never been to Pennsylvania, let alone had family there. And he wanted to know if I have family in Pennsylvania. And I said, no, 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 don't have any family there. And then he wanted to know if I had an Uncle Herschel. And I said, no, 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 we've never had an Uncle Herschel. He said, well, a man by the name of Uncle Herschel, who lives in Pennsylvania, just left you $660,000. She said, that Uncle Herschel, how did I forget him? <laughs> we found out that was an uncle 12 times removed 
and changed his will when she gave that gift. And then he passed away. That lady and I had a fit. Give and it. What's the next word? Shall. Say it out loud. Give and it shall. Not maybe. It shall be given unto you. But you have to give. A man by the name of Carl Smith, uh, who owned an engineering firm, and he owned a fairly large building, and the radio station that I worked for was in that building. He was a very devout Christian man, and he'd come up there and work at night, this large building, and he and I got to talk a lot. Carl Smith was an amazing man. He and his wife, Hannah, were on their way to the mission field in Africa, had raised all their support, shipped all their belongings to Africa, and then the week they were to leave, his wife came down with a very debilitating disease and was bedbound the rest of her life. So they never got to go to Africa. And Carl and his wife said, well, if we can't go to Africa, let's ask God to let us raise money to send others in our place. And so he started a business in his garage. Now you'd had to see this garage, this is in Cleveland, Ohio. The garage has no floor in it, it's dirt, has no electricity in it. He runs a cord from the house out there, no heat, nothing. And he starts a little electronics company in that garage. But he made this commitment to God, he and his wife. We're not going to give you 10% and keep 90. We're going to give you 90 and keep 10. And I asked him, did that? cause you to fear? He said, no, it terrified me. Because humanly speaking, it's utterly impossible. But he said, don't you forget, David, what's impossible is only impossible with man. It is never impossible with God. That's what the Bible says. The devil wants to get you and your giving back to the calculating and getting God out of the picture. Well, he started working and God blessed what they were doing. And he said, I remember the first week we made nothing. He said, the second week we made $50 and we gave 90% of it and kept 10. Well, God got all over it and now he's in this large building he owns. He invented the antennas that went into deep space the antennas that were on Mars and on the moon for that matter, the antennas that went to the edge of the solar system. He invented the antennas on our military aircraft that changed frequency 1,600 times a second. And I said, how'd you do all that? He said, God, God. He's the only man I know that there was a helipad in back of this building and Military gunships would come and fly around a half a dozen of them, and then one would swoop down and land. And he'd run out and get in a military chopper, and they'd fly him away. Boy, when I'd see that, that impressed me. And one night, he'd come up there and talk with me. I said, where do they take you when they fly you away like that? He said, well, I'll tell you, but if I tell you, they'll kill you. So I said, well, I don't want to know that bad, no. 
I said, can I ask you this question? Do you still give 90 and keep 10? He said, yeah. He said, I give our local church 90% and keep 10. And I said, I understand you also support missionaries personally. He said, I do. I said, how many? He said, David, I pay the full missionary support for 350 families. I said, you've personally pay all the support for 350 missionaries and their families? He said, yeah, David. I said, how? He said, don't you ever forget this. Give and it shall be given unto you. Whoa. God's promise is powerful. Oh, it can take care of a widow lady. It can take care of a couple whose dreams were smashed because they were on the way to the mission field and then couldn't go. And he said, you have no idea how that broke our hearts. But we told God, if we can't, let's make it possible where many in our place can't go. But he said, it's tied to giving. Carl Smith, um, I don't want to be disrespectful to the man. When he'd come up to talk to me at night, I was the only person in the building. I'm up there running the radio station at night, and he'd be up there working, and he'd come in. And he always looked like he slept in his suit. I mean, he was just sort of a, looked all wrinkled and rumpled. And, and, and he'd sit down and he'd say, let me tell you what passage I was reading this morning and what God laid on my heart. And we'd sit there and share. And he said, David, the power of God's book is simple. But he said, if you have talent and ability, you're going to try to trust your talent and your ability. And he said, don't you let that happen. Give. And that's not tied to the degrees behind your name. That's not tied to your exquisiteness of expertise or your talent. That's tied to a promise of God. Give, and it shall be given unto you. He said, that will change everything. My wife and I now have been married 52 years. And when we first got married in June of 1965, uh, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Uh, she was a school teacher and a Howard Johnson's waitress. How many of you remember Howard Johnson? She's, uh, she'd go to school every morning at 7 o'clock and teach math and get out at four and at five o'clock she'd have her waitress uniform on at Howard Johnson's and she'd work from five until 10 o'clock and then clean up and be gone at 11. And when she'd come home, I was a radio announcer, a truck driver, a semi driver and a law school student. And we were living mostly off of her income and especially her tips. And this is before they had credit cards and everything. How many of you remember when you used to put the tip on the table, okay, and mostly change? 
Well, she'd come home and spill it all out of her apron and we'd count it. Well, when she wasn't looking, I took some of it and stashed it aside. I hid it. Now it's a week before Christmas, our first Christmas together, 1965. And I said, honey, I took some of your money. When you weren't looking, I set it aside because I want to buy you a Christmas present. And if I remember right, it was $11. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you did that. Because she said, I know just what I want. I know just what I want. And she said, I've been praying for it. And boy, this is great. I said, good. What do you want, babe? What do you want? She said, I want to find somebody with less than us. And let's give them the money. That's what I want for Christmas. I said, no, 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 no. This is for you. I want a present for you. Oh, she said, that's the best present you could ever give me. She said, you see, anything you give me here, when our life here is done, it stays here. This present will be mine forever. And God's promised to bless it. We're going to give, and it shall be given. This Christmas will be our 52nd one together. And just this past week, we sat down and we're praying, God, where should this go? We give it through our church, and it's our Christmas. You say, are you against Christmas presents? No. We give a lot of them. I love Christmas. But give, and it shall be given unto you. What a tragedy at Christmas to do all this giving and never hit the giver. Give. I want you to turn in your Bibles to a verse and let's look at it together as we close. It's found in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, I tell everybody this passage has the verse that most unsaved people know in the Bible. They don't know where it is, but they know it's in the Bible. Because in verse 10, it has the love of money is the root of all evil. It amazes me how many unsaved people are aware of that verse, but that's not what we're looking at. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world... Now listen very carefully. You say, well, I'm not rich. No, if you're in this room, you're rich. Bear in mind, this was written to the world. I always remind people, if you make $20,000 a year, including benefits, 20, you're in the upper 2% of all salaries paid on planet Earth. 98% of the people on this planet make way less than you, way less. If you make $40,000 a year, including benefits, you are in the upper three quarters of 1% of all salaries paid on planet Earth. We're rich. 
we have been blessed beyond words. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Now, underline the word high-minded. We're not our stuff. The fact that we have nice cars, the rest of the world, their goal is to own a bicycle, and we can't live without two cars. We live in beautiful homes. We eat sumptuously. That's not wrong, but don't get the idea that's us. Don't you be high-minded. God could take all of this away. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. All riches are uncertain. All. I always remind people, money talks, it sure does. Most of the time it says bye-bye. And it amazes me. In our mind, we could never lose this. That's not true. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. Now underline the word ready to distribute. That means anxious to give. When's the last time you walked into church and said, boy, will you hurry up and take the offering? I'm anxious to give. My grandson, Josiah, he's going to church with us, and on the way he said, man, I can't wait for church, I can't wait for church. I said, what's got you all stoked up, buddy? Oh, he said, I earned some money and I'm going to give it to God. I can't wait to get there and do it. I said, that's right, that's who you're giving it to. And I said, you know, he's promised if you give to him, he'll give to you. He said, I know, I know, but I want to give to him. How anxious are you to give to the Lord? How would you feel at Christmas if somebody handed you a gift and said, well, here you go. I'm not real excited to give it to you, but here you go. You know what you'd say? Just keep it. Just keep it. God says, I want you to be ready, anxious to give, anxious to give, ready to distribute. I will never forget my son giving me a Christmas gift. He changed my life with it. He didn't want what we got him. He wanted what he got me. God loves a cheerful giver, ready to distribute. Can I say this? You've been foolishly cheating yourself if you've been giving to be polite, or if you've just been calculating, God says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give to your bosom. But with the same meat that you measure, it shall be meted to you again. God says, I'm going to be sure. I'll give you way more than you give me but it's still going to be governed by how you want to give to me. My wife, Glorianne, has been sick recently uh, with some very unexpected seizures from a very... She has a disease that we come to find out only 50 
to 100 people have in the world. And it changed our life. Uh, she'd be here if it were at all possible. But what thrilled me, she said, I'm so excited more than ever to give. She said, because I love him. And I want him to know I love him. And he's promised, if we give, by grace, he'll give back to us so that we can always keep on giving. This morning, what would it take for you to take God at his word and say, I'm going to believe what God said. That's how I got saved. But I'm going to trust God. Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, my finances are so messed up. I got one word of advice. If your finances are tight or messed up, that's the time you want to give because you need to get God giving back to you way beyond the measure you give to him. And he's promised to do that. He's promised that grace. Now the world says, ah, this is nonsense. Don't let that lawyer talk you into that. This is nonsense. No, this is Bible. The Bible you hold in your hand has these verses. And God promises that he'll keep his word.